0: So for me, one of the real puzzles in talking about Spike Lee's 2015 film, Chirac, is the most basic and elemental question, which is, what is the film really about? We know the theme of the film. The film is, uh, you know, the theme of the film is gun violence in Chicago, but I think by uh, You know, no leap of imagination, a story about the United States. And that theme has embedded in it, as I spoke about in the previous piece, uh, some of Spike Lee's most foundational values as a social and political thinker, which is his contention that these are problems that black people have to solve for themselves. And I think that's not to be confused with a story about how black people are to blame for gun violence and the conditions that cause uh, this sort of uh, phenomenon. It's not that at all, and Chirac makes that clear. It's not about blame. It is rather about a certain conception of, of history and what we might call an ontology of white people or of whiteness. that is that white people will never be coming to the rescue of black people or to transform the world in any near future that would make uh, life better for black people. It's just the antithesis of the structure of our very nation. And so Spike Lee, very much like Malcolm X, I think, and again, this is where I think the film Malcolm X is not just a piece about a, a cultural and historical icon, but also a piece about Spike Lee's own politics, right? It's incumbent upon black people to address the problems of black people, right? Whether that is a kind of nationalist sense of, of separation or just in terms of an ethical transformation of character and community, right? This is a shared value and certainly is the main feature of Chirac. It's really important to me that we not confuse that with questions of blame. I think when it comes to things like race and gun violence and poverty, there's a sort of a binary. It's either see it as a systemic problem or and uh, sort of exit or excise questions of responsibility of individuals and communities or uh, focus on blaming communities and individuals without attention to the systemic. What I like about Chirac, or what I think is at least interesting about the theme that structures Chirac, is that it understands the structural problems and it addresses them again in a very heavy-handed way, in a way that I don't find, you know, particularly engaging. I, I think Spike Lee's just like, let's throw everything into this film that way. You know, we need trauma centers, we need jobs, we need safety, we need police that don't, uh, uh... aren't predators and, you know, thinking about the insurance agent who comes and tries to uh, convince uh, Angela Bassett's character that she should uh, insure her, you know, take out life insurance policies on uh, people in her family because of their likelihood, right, uh, likelihood of being murdered and that that's an appeal, right, that the agent makes really awful stuff and Spike Lee's making it clear that this kind of predatory um, a combination of predatory uh, behavior, violent behavior in the case of the police for sure and abandonment uh, and neglect around education and healthcare, is part of the systemic problem but in the end he is not making the theme of the film a story about systematic transformation. He is instead asking black people right what can we do about this thing that is absolutely decimating our communities and i like that he asks that question i think it's a hard question i think somebody like spike lee is positioned to ask it because he's someone who has shown across his cinematic career uh, at this point uh, nearly 30 years of making movies uh, he's shown this immense love and affection and attention to the depth of, of meaning and and character in in black life. I think he's positioned himself to make these kinds of commentaries, but they are nevertheless risky because they invite a take on them that suggests, you know, neglect of or, or lack of interest or ignorance of systemic questions. Again, I, I just think that completely misunderstands Chirac, but I also understand where that comes from as you watch the film. But that doesn't really, for me, get out what I mean when I say, what is the film really about? It has, as I mentioned previously, really three dimensions. Um, there's the moral arc of the film that revolves really around, I think, the, uh, the, the Church, the priest, and his connection to neighborhood people, in particular, uh, Angela Bassett's character, who is incredibly important as a conscience of the film. She's not really an elder, but she's uh, she plays the role of someone with uh, with wisdom and guidance. You know, and she's looked to by the women in the neighborhood and. So miss Helen is is her name in the in the film and and Helen's role is is along with the the priest played by John Cusack uh, the conscience of of a lot of the film in terms of mobilization and resistance and so the moral arc of the film really lies with those two characters and what clusters to it then there's of course the farcical but also serious commentary around uh, uh, sex strike and the reinvention of the Lysistrata play but then there's the the third dimension which I think is incredibly important and I actually think is what the film is about which is what I call uh, the quasi-documentary moment of the moments in the film and there are two I want to talk about and these for me are are the most compelling moments in his filmmaking in this film right as a director I think he does something in two scenes in particular but other scenes as well that aren't just the peak of the art of the film and the affective life of the film but I think are where we are to locate where we are to locate the meaning of the film the real depth meaning of the film and that's where Spike Lee bridges the gap between the reality of gun violence in Chicago, because it's based in Chicago, uh, but also in in black urban neighborhoods uh, across the country. That phenomenon, he links that or bridges the gap between that and the farcical uh, story about Lysistrata. And how you bridge that is in part with the visceral problem right? The violence, the loss, and the mourning, and resistance, and mobilization against gun violence. But that's not really either outside the film, right? The, the outside the film is outside the film, right? The reality of, of, of gun violence in the country, and the, the farcical, story, or even just the fictional pieces of the story. Those don't really bridge the gap, but rather mark, I think, both sides of what's being talked about, the reality of gun violence and its rendering in this farcical dimension and the moral arc of the play and its fictional element. And what bridges that gap for me is the moment when Spike Lee uh, invites both non-professional actors into the film, as well as this incredible scene where he's able to activate something so important in the character, uh, Irene played by Jennifer Hudson, because Jennifer Hudson, as I think most people know, was, uh, her family has been a victim of gun violence in Chicago. And so watching this film, everyone would know this, this is... Um, you know, my students often don't know, but I tell them ahead of time so that they're prepared to see the scene that is, uh, comes about around 20, the 25 minute mark in the film. And this, in this scene, Jennifer Hudson's character, Irene, uh, her daughter, Patty, has been murdered right by a, by a random bullet or perhaps an intentional killing. It's unclear. No one knows. No one will talk about it. No one will say what happened. And so what we get is, of course, the terror in the fictional element of the film. We get the terror of, of the discovery that a child's been murdered. And I think it's actually quite... Uh, effective in terms of acting in the the, the fictional uh, element of the film, right? And by fictional element, I just mean the story, the fabricated story that the film is about in terms of these characters, right? Helen and 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 Irene and everybody else in the neighborhood. <coughs> but this, uh, but that scene, those scenes where the revelation of the murder and the community's reaction to it, and you know they're gathering to mourn uh, Patty's death, right? The loss of Patty's life has a mixture of professional and non-professional actors in it. And so it, it is in that way already bridging elements of, 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 of inside and outside the film. But I think the really important scene, and it's the scene that for me is at the center of the entire film, despite the fact that it comes in at the 25 minute mark in a nearly 120 minute film. Uh, and it's a scene that, interestingly, when I focus on it in class, many students will say they don't remember the scene, or they didn't really notice it. It didn't stick in their, their heads. And I find that really interesting. I, I've wondered that for years. Why, why don't they see this particular scene I want to talk about? Why doesn't it stick in their memory? It was, for me, the, the one of two scenes that stuck in my memory the first time I saw the film. And I couldn't stop thinking about them, but I think that's partly because the this the two scenes I want to talk about this one first with Jennifer Hudson's character Irene, is so painful that there's a kind of displacement that that is easy that can easily happen for a viewer. It's just in that way, just too difficult to look at, and it's the scene where for all of the morning and gathering and, and, you know, the community being there for Irene, uh, after her daughter's been murdered, there's this question and it's a material question that doesn't get asked and answered really in cinema, which is what do you do with the blood of your child that has spilled out onto the sidewalk because she was murdered? And because it's a murder, it's a real material act where bodies bleed and the blood sits on the sidewalk. And Jennifer Hudson, Irene, and I think we have to kind of blend those two names together, comes out with a bucket and a brush to clean the sidewalk. And there's this incredible song that plays in the background that's Jennifer Hudson's own performance, I Run. And it's it's a, a ballad, but it's also kind of a gospel song. Um, and it's a beautiful performance. It's, it's in some ways a little bit too much to listen to. And, you know, when I play the clip in class, people are really rattled in part by the musical performance in the background. But as the, the song plays, Irene or Jennifer Hudson, scrubs the blood off the sidewalk and she cries the whole time and she cries in ways that are just very raw and very uncomplicated and almost at the same cadence as the song with its surges and its, its highs and its lows. Uh, There's a sense almost that she's crying in in synchrony with the song. And the song and the tears really pulse the pain and the trauma, right? And for me, this opens up another dimension and a really critical dimension that also comes out in Four Little Girls, and I want to talk about that uh, film next. But this other exploration Spike Lee has in his cinema of women's work as mourning Right as literally, the in this case, the physical processing of death and the affective processing of death. Uh, death, in this case, of innocent girl, of an innocent girl, and also in Four Little Girls, Four Innocent Girls. And understanding that women's work lies here too. And so much of Chirac, I think people want to talk about the sex strike and the sort of you know booty shorts and you know crop tops or whatever you know the sexuality or you know sexual presence of the young women in the film and that's part of it and that's that's part of the humor but also the the you know the appeal and the drama and making the point about sexual desire but it's interesting to me to to see that alongside that there are all these other women and very few men in the film uh but All these other women who are doing the work of community mobilization around resistance to gun violence, but also mobilizing in the case of Irene as the one person to bear witness to loss, to literally clean up the mess of, of killing, clean up the mess that men make with guns, the mess that they make of life and community and murder, in this case, of a child. And so that scene for me is really what the film is about. I think the film in some ways is at its best when Spike Lee is, and I really believe this is what he's up to, is distracting us uh, with the farcical, right? And maybe trying to teach us a lesson with the farcical, but, but as much as anything, uh, distracting us with the farcical and then halting and stopping us and saying, look at this, look at this woman, a real woman who has sustained real loss due to gun violence, but also a character in the film, cleaning blood off the sidewalk. And this is the work that's been tasked to women, to mourn and to clean up the mess. And there's something that is supposed to fill us with absolute outrage and terror and sadness when we see that. And so when I talk about it in class and the students hadn't noticed it or hadn't seen it, I just, I'm never quite sure what to think. I mean, I don't want, you know, we we retain what we retain from films and in some ways the scene is uh, too traumatic really to, to, to carry easily in one's mind. But we have to see it because that's what the film is actually about that's the bridge between the reality of gun violence in the world and the fabricated farcical dimensions of treating it on a cinema and a cinematic, uh, uh, film screen and that between screen and world, right? Are these bridges, this bridge of Jennifer Hudson or Irene scrubbing the blood of her murdered daughter off the sidewalk, weeping and singing a gospel song, a soul song, however one wants to hear that song. I think the genre is mourning. It's a song of 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 pain and, and mourning and goodbye. And I would pair that with an, uh, what is, a, for me, the second most important scene or sort of companion most important scene that tells us what the film is about. And it's around the 50 minute mark. And in the scene, uh, Chirac or Nick Cannon's character is sitting at a table and he's smoking weed and, um, uh, putting together, a you know, putting all, all the ingredients into a really potent drink and he's sort of mixing it and, and looks distracted and sad and, and, um, sort of, you know, depressed, right. But also indifferent. And that mixture, to me, is really interesting. I think it's the one scene where Nick Cannon uh, really shines as an actor. So I think it's the scene he most shines, I should say, as an actor. He does a good job across the film. But there's a non-professional actor who's in a wheelchair. And he wheels over to the table, and he gives this just incredible um, soliloquy. Right? And he talks about, is this worth, if you have access to the film... It's worth just going and watching, and it's uh, absolutely terrifying. And he says, look, I'm in this wheelchair. My son has been shot. He's in a wheelchair, too. He's like, I, you know, I, I piss and shit all over myself. You know, I need constant care. I can't, you know, do anything that I wanted to do in life. You know, I've, I've lost all of that. My son has lost all of that. And he says, for what? Just to throw the S, right? Th- throw a gang sign. All for that. This is what I gave up. And then he says, you know, we got to do something different. We got to be something different. And the way he, he really mumbles his way through that, and I say mumble in the best way, it I think it's, it's an incredibly hard scene for the actor, a non-professional actor. And this is his actual life that he's talking about. It's almost impossible for him to speak it out loud. It's, and, it, and it is awful and terrifying to hear him talk about it. But what he says is very simple. He's like, we got to do something different. We can't live like this. This isn't living. It's like, this isn't life. And there's that desperate plea again that makes this bridge of the gap between the fictional element of the film and its exterior right the world actually plagued by gun violence it's the pairing of these two things that these two scenes that for me is what the film is really about it's really about moments where we break through the farcical and we arrive at the reality of gun violence not as an institutional problem right that needs to be fixed through institutional transformation not that alone not even through sort of appeals to personal responsibility or collective responsibility among men in in these neighborhoods but this moment where the pain of gun violence breaks through i think that's what the film is really about and everything is anchored in these two scenes because in these two scenes there's We can't look at, but we also can't look away. We can't look at because of the pain that the Jennifer Hudson uh, and Irene and this this gang member in a wheelchair, that what they're speaking to and where they're speaking from, if we know who they are and what their lives have been. We know there is no distance in their performance. There's no distance between what they're putting on the screen and the lives they've lived. And the way Spike Lee is able to draw us into those moments, the camera is absolutely still, and he just lets them talk. He just lets them weep. And that talking and that weeping tells an entire story that the film, in some ways, is just a a spin-off of, right? That that the film, all the farcical dimensions, all the narrative, fictional elements all the stories that it wants to tell about, about resistance and, and humor and the police and gang members and the the church and the priest and community leaders, all those stories in the end revolve around these two moments of intense, revealed pain and that moment of revealing pain. And the way it functions for me, almost like a black hole that it just sucks everything into it and, and just smashes it to bits, is the, the way the film, for me, for all the criticism of it being, you know, I, I mean, there are strange criticisms of it, whether it's unfair or one dimensional representation of the city of Chicago, I mean, whatever, right? It's, it's not saying anything about the city of Chicago, it's saying something about gun violence. Or, you know, that it's too sexual, that it's too, you know, whatever, right? All these things that are, uh, revolve around the farcical and the, the fictional narrative. I think when those things get set in relation to these two more moments of mourning, regret and loss, we can't see the film as really about those fictional and farcical dimensions, but it's really about these two moments in the way All we can do is juxtapose to that pain other ways of telling stories in the hopes that in that juxtaposition, we feel the immensity of the pain and loss and also start to understand what it would really mean for that loss to be addressed, right? What it would mean to take that loss seriously and change the sense of individual and collective life in these places. Because as the gang member says from his wheelchair, you know, this isn't living, this isn't life. And this is not, this is not how we should be living. What are we doing this for so that we can throw a gang sign? And when you set that alongside Irene, scrubbing the blood off of the sidewalk, the blood of her murdered daughter, I just think Chirac as a film becomes about something unassimilable and undigestible. And difficult really, and I think my students often are, are testimony to this, right, it's an impossible witness to take from the, the screen to conversation. But we have to. We have to make that, that move to face those scenes and say, this is what this film is really about. And if this is what this film is really about, then the next question is, how do we live in relation to those senses of loss of regret, of mourning, and of women's work, that women, uh, the work women are tasked with of cleaning up literally the mess of gun violence and murder.